2: A single day without you actually All right, Matt, we are nearing the end of polka party uh and before we dive into this track, we do have to give a huge shout out brand new podcast. We have we have not even completed a full year of a podcast, but We did fantastic on our Spotify wrapped for a show that literally started in April. (laughs) According to our wrapped, we were uh, in the top 30% of the most shared podcasts globally. Um, We're one of the top 20% most followed podcasts. We're listened to in over 13 countries and somehow, somehow with us not even being around for a full year, 22 people had us as their number one podcast of the year. So whoever you people are, big thank you also a thank you to the 88 people that had us in their top 10 yeah and the 59 that had us in our top five i'm looking forward to see where those numbers go when we actually complete a full year of being.
0: Yeah. exactly yeah a that's fantastic but,
1: congratulations yeah guys. I've,
0: yeah, yeah. Th- oh, thank you thank you it's, yeah. it's this is it's wonderful to uh to see and you know we it's this has just been so fun for us and i'm glad it's fun for people who are listening as well and uh yeah you know we love you thank you for listening to our show
2: yeah, and Matt, who is this voice that I'm hearing? Oh, in my
0: yes, ear? <laughs> this is our this is our friend Sean, aka Cowboy Coder, yeah. who is joining us to talk about "Good Enough for Now." Yeah, your your uh, your your pick. Um, so I guess that uh welcome. Thank you for joining yeah, us. We really absolutely. appreciate it. And uh yeah, to start, I'm going to take Matt's job for a moment because usually he does this, but okay. I'm ready.
1: All right.
0: What made you pick this song? What was the thing that uh, that drew you to "Good Enough for Now"? Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Thanks for having me on and everything. Um. I love. I've always loved Weird Al. He's just been a part of my childhood, and uh, that whole genre is just uh, really cool to me because I love how he he just goes with whatever he's feeling but good mm-hmm. enough for now, uh, kind of calls to my countryside. I was gonna say Cowboy code yeah, is in your name, coders. that this is, yeah. exactly. this is right up your, <laughs> right, right in, in my wheelhouse. House. Yeah, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And it reminds me of an old George Jones song, I Always Get Lucky With You. I don't know if you've ever heard yeah, that song. Yeah, I know that one, I know that one, but yeah. yeah, yeah, so I thought it was kind of like a, kind of tip of the hat to old George Jones, and it's really like a comical kind of song if you listen to it, but it's got that old country twang to it. And it also yeah. kind of it also kind of like resonates with me because when you get into coding as well, it's like, "good enough for now" is always, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> kind of the mantra of the day when you start out, you know. So th- that's a recurring phrase in the coding yeah, community. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely. <laughs> it's also one of those things where something that jumped out at me with this song. First of all, just a fun fact: this was the last original song recorded for Polka Party. We've been talking a lot with the Weird Al originals. That some of the best ones could be passable as an actual song by an artist. Totally. Like, Dare to be Stupid could 100% be a Devo song. You wouldn't have to change any of the lyrics. Like, This is the Life could absolutely pass as just a song from, like, a Broadway musical without any lyrical changes. This song... If you had sent me this song and said, hey, this is like a deep cut David Allen Coe song, <laughs> right. I'd be like, absolutely, right. for sure. Like You it,
1: could totally see it fitting,
2: right? Yeah, like it fits that like, com- I think people aren't aware that there are some really funny country exactly music musicians. Exactly what I was going to say is that the the
0: comedy in this song is absolutely represented, especially in this era of country music that he's referencing. Right. There's so much comedy in the lyrics yes. to those songs. Yeah, so this is a funny song and it does feel like Al because of the nature of the lyrics. And this is a, uh, you know, in this song, Al is representing a character who we kind of see before, which is sort of like the, I don't know, I guess it's somewhat like the the aloof, oblivious guy right. who doesn't understand how <laughs> dumb he's being. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, it completely works. You put this song in someone else's
2: voice.
1: Yeah.
0: It's it's instantly a totally believable yeah. country song.
2: This is this could be David Allen Coe, this could be Ray Stevens, mm-hmm. right. more modern, it could be Roger Allen Wade. Like yeah. there is this this like classic sixties, seventies country comedy. Yeah. <laughs> that, Absolutely. That it's hard to place like but it's this sense of humor. Like it's not like very rarely I mean, Roger Allen Wade is a little bit more aggressive, but like David Allen Coe and, and Ray Stevens for the most part, it was this type of yeah. comedy where it's just like, it's not mean spirited as much as it's apathetic. Right, Like it's like taking a song and doing it apathetically. Yeah. yeah.
1: It's that, it's that country <laughs> wittiness, right? Like you kind of, you're listening to it and you're like, kind of vibing along with it. And then you're like, oh, wait, you know, like you start to realize like, oh yeah, like they're, they're kind of presenting a caricature of like you're saying, like some goofy guy at the end of the bar who's like, doesn't understand why this girl's even in his life. But somehow he's like, hey, yeah, this works. And he's just kind of yeah. bumbling through life. <laughs> exactly. And the
2: chorus is so, ca- yeah. it's such
1: an earwormy, catchy
2: chorus too. Like if I had any notes for this song... I think this note would work better if he had done the song in the late 90s, but I would have had that chorus repeat a couple times and almost go like a Garth Brooks Friends in Low Places (laughs) style with it, where you get more and more of a chorus of people singing in the background as it repeats over and over again, because it is that like sing-songy, catchy chorus. It, It is
0: actually almost unfairly short. Right. Yes. Like, like it, <laughs> it, this is the sort of thing I agree with you. And I thought it is funny because often in country songs like this, it is like verse after verse after verse of getting the point <laughs> home. And this is pretty concise. Yeah. Um, we get like a double verse at the front and then one more in the middle, and it's two choruses and it's over. There's a a solo in the middle, a fiddle slash, uh, uh lap steel. Solo going on, um, yeah. If, but yeah, no, it's, it's three it's minutes. Short. But it's
2: three minutes that moves.
0: Oh no, it's <laughs> it feels like it's over in a second.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: um, yeah. And again, what we were saying, like the lyrics, you know, and his just tone of voice are the thing that make this different. But the melody, the instrumentation, you know, I looked it up. I'm assuming it must be Jim West who's playing the the pedal steel or the lap steel. I don't know. They don't even specify. There's no one credited for it. He's just oh, credited huh. with guitars. So I'm assuming he played it, but perfect yeah i mean the 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 musicianship and the instrumentation and the arrangement of this as per usual for al is flawless representation of the genre that he's shooting for yeah
1: and that's that's what always fascinated me about weird al how he could jump from genre to genre and just nail it every time yeah whether it was a parody or an original it's like it's just like you're saying, like, this is something, like, out of that era of country music that you could put onto a George Jones or, or any other kind of, like, artist of that time. Absolutely. And you would think it was just another song that they wrote. And that's, that's a credit to his musicianship, you know. like so. Yeah.
0: No, yeah, we've, we've talked before on this show about, and it's just, I love seeing these examples as we go. And I'm just going to keep talking about it because it... It tickles me so much that I think something that has worked so well for Al over the years is the nature of what he does allows him to explore musically anything and everything in a way that always makes him sound fresh
1: absolutely like it, yeah. he,
0: it never I mean well he has moments that occasionally will feel stale <laughs> but he can always pull something and he can be like oh now I'm gonna do this sort of thing now I'm gonna do that and then even you know however many albums deep in his career you hear something and you're like whoa I've never heard him do anything like that before and it must keep it so interesting for him and his band that they can push themselves into kind of uncharted
2: territory anytime they want yeah He's it. It almost makes you jealous, right? right? Like yeah. I think of just as a even just like a local dude who occasionally would like jokingly throw together a cover band. I never felt like it was possible to do all of the different songs that were inside my head that I wanted to do yeah. because like I have such a wide scape of <laughs> of music. Like again, we're just because literally recording this the day after the Spotify wrapped. <laughs> stuff has dropped but like my Spotify rap said that I listened to over 138 genres this, this past year. <laughs> like, now obviously Spotify makes up some wild genres. Like, my second most listened to genre was Hollywood, which I don't know what that <laughs> Hollywood. Means. Yeah, I guess it's because I listen to a lot of musicals. I but guess, like, yeah. I don't wow. know. But but my point being, like, when I would form these cover bands, we would have to just land on like, okay, we're going to do songs from the 90s, because in my head, I'd be like, I want to do like a song by lit and I want to do a green day song, but I want to try to do a primus song. And it's like, if I was in an actual band writing originals, there's no way that I could do all of the different things that I like. Oh yeah. But Al is like, cracked this code where it's like, he can completely change genre song by song. And like, no one blinks an eye god for green day throws an acoustic guitar (laughs) on one of their songs and everyone's just like these fucking (laughs) sell (laughs) out
0: i've always thought that bands like and al it's funny because al does never never gets talked about in the same breath but bands we've mentioned before on this show who have a reputation for being artists who pick and choose from different genres all the time bands like they might be giants or like ween and that's what fans love about them and al has done the same thing he doesn't get Considered the same way because of the parody nature of what he does and so people don't treat it the same But from a musical perspective, it's this brilliant way of like you'll never if everything's a possibility How could you ever get bored? Making like, you know, and you're never also never going to be pigeonholed You're never going to be told like it's never going to be like oh man He used to be in a rock band and then they did this crazy Electro record and sold out like all that talk is off the table when from the jump you're like No, no, no the nothing is off limits for us we can do yeah. it all, and we will do it all.
2: Yeah, Al is the only person I think no per no fan would ever be like, "Oh, that's sellout." Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's I so mean, I'll. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know what. I'm actually saying that, but I feel like there's one album of his that I always refer to as his sellout album. Ooh, uh, can't wait to get to so, it. So we'll get to it. I, <laughs> and and even then, I say it jokingly, but there, one of his albums in the 90s, so many of the songs feel like a tie-in to something else that I, I always look at that album as like... Was this was this a passion project or was this like, hey, a bunch of different places offered me money to write songs for things? Sure, and I just like threw them together onto a record. Like, yeah, but we'll get there. Oh, we'll get there. We'll <laughs> get there. <laughs> <laughs> but but good enough for now. I mean, the lyrics—it's so funny because it's such like a flip flop every single time. Yeah, it, it's like a little bit of praise, and and even the most praise, it's like I'm relatively lucky. I guess you're pretty good. I honestly can say you're an above-average lady. <laughs> Almost what I've been looking for. But then you get to the chorus, and it's, you're sort of everything I've ever wanted. You're not perfect, but I love you anyhow. You're the woman that I've always dreamed of. Well, not really, but you're good enough for now. <laughs> like, on the first Vanity
0: Tour, I saw Al do this song.
2: I was going to ask and if he's played this song. Yeah, live. he played it. Yeah.
0: And, and before he played it, he said, the number of times... That he has been told that this was someone's like first dance at their wedding song oh made god. him very <laughs> uncomfortable. He's like, I hear it so often, and every time I think, oh my god, why? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> why would you do this? Why would you do that? Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, I mean, I I I can appreciate it's a funny thing because it's a joking, like it's also a sweet sentiment in its own way, right? Like it, it is very, like, it's obviously funny, and it's obviously like. Being kind of like it's tongue in cheek, but I can appreciate the sentiment of the uh, of the you know at the end of the day, everyone finds someone who's good enough. Like if you know, there's that always that sense of like if you're waiting for the single perfect ultimate, you know that doesn't always that person may or may not exist. You find someone who's good enough for now.
1: Yeah, and that's where that's where <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong. <laughs> well, it's fascinating too because I I look at this song too, and I and when I look through the lyrics, I'm like. This could actually be like a love song about some a piece of code you wrote, <laughs> you know. That's yeah. Like, there you go. You know, exactly. Hey, this code is like the most amazing thing, but it works for now, and and we'll evolve it over time. And yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like it's yeah, cool totally. that you can you can put other metaphors kind of on. You top can put other metaphors it. in it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a really versatile song in that way. This is like
2: one of those songs where I am. We're not quite at the ranking stage yet, but it's one of those ones where I'm like, I honestly don't know where I'm going to rank this because I feel like it's going to go somewhere that feels ultimately too low. And I'm like looking at my list and I'm realizing that with the parodies, I feel like it's a lot easier for us to definitively be like, this is a parody that we do not like. Like, this is a parody that we think is objectively bad. Or just when didn't it work for various reasons.
0: Like the song didn't he parodied work for various reasons. was... A flop, and some like things. Some yeah. things just landed better than others culturally, and like in terms of their overall significance. But the originals because, like, I'm are, looking at are harder to gauge because yeah, how do originals you originals com- are harder? So how, so, how are we supposed to compare this to slime creatures from
2: outer space? Exactly. I was going <laughs> to say something like towards towards the very bottom of both of our lists is such a groovy guy, which is still a song that I would say is a good song. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. Oh yeah. No. Again, I, we we've had this problem before where it's like we're gonna have like. If we're when we're in the in the game of ranking songs, Al songs are more way more good than bad. So yeah, uh, yeah, some good ones <laughs> are going to be low. Despite with the critical no reviews,
2: the critical reviews are always like. That's the thing that blows my mind in the, the 80s. The, the critics would be like, well, the parodies are good, but ugh, who cares about these originals? Right. I went back and, and it's I like was, retrospectively us. I, I, I was <laughs> reading more reviews of Polka Party. I know we talked about this at the
0: top, but I, it is uh, incredible. The, the amount of hate for this record when it came out was so intense. Yeah. People hated this. And, and truly, like all the reviews are like, can we finally be done with this guy? Yeah, like <laughs> they, uh, like, it, it, like everyone was, was like, we, it, it has happened. The moment has passed. We all enjoyed eat it, but it is not going to go any further than this. And we got to move on. And even this song, I, I read a review uh, today that said that this was a half baked attempt at a country parody, um, which I do not agree with yeah, at I don't all. Agree I mean, Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I and uh, he really was taking a beating at this point wow. in his career. I'm
2: curious when we get to the point because I can also understand the hate like like i don't agree with it but i can understand like 1986 this kid comes out of nowhere three years ago has just been dropping an album a year for the last like four years and like i'm trying to think of something comparatively like you know how like we as a culture just all will sometimes gang up on like one particular thing and be like this is bad yeah and like no one's allowed to like voice the opposite yeah i could see like culturally after four years in a row of owl like people just being like okay enough like we've (laughs) we've had it i'm wondering when the point was where that whole pendulum swung a weird comparison but i feel like bo burnham is a great example of this where like when bo burnham first came out I feel like a lot of people, myself included, were like, who the fuck (laughs) is this teenager in his bedroom shooting these obnoxious YouTube videos? Yeah. But like now the pendulum has shifted to the point where it's like anything he does, we're like, what a groundbreaking artist who is blending comedy with like deep social commentary. Yeah. But then you look back on those YouTube videos and he was doing that back when he was 16 years old, but it was like this obnoxious young package that made it. Hard to swallow. I'm wondering when the point was when like everybody who was writing him off as this obnoxious like 20 year old kid suddenly was like, no, this this might be one of the most artistically brilliant comedians of our time. I, I really lifetime. do think because it's funny. Like again, we're
0: you know the different ages of people who discover Al and who have their experiences with him. Like when I Bad Hair Day was basically my first Al record as a Same. kid when that came out, and even then I remember like I was a kid, so I didn't really care, but like you know he wasn't like taken super seriously he was kind of a goofy character i don't know exactly when because there's not a moment in time but it really felt to me like and now we're going way way ahead but it felt to me like when he did the music videos for mandatory fun and he had all those comedians and everyone for tacky and uh foil and all those songs like i remember thinking then like wow this is like a generation of comedians who grew up loving al and now it's just unanimous like it it, he for critics at the time he was putting out records they were like ah it's this goofy guy i guess it's funny sometimes but you know it was very easy to dismiss him in that sense and then after enough time passes doing this you have so many people who grew up with it who now are in positions of power and
2: influence that it's like now it's just undeniable yeah i guess it's i guess it's comparatively to like that first cast of saturday night live You know what I mean? Like a bunch of like young obnoxious kids who all things considered, like I I talk about this book constantly (laughs) because I love it, but the book wild and crazy guy is how the seventies comedy scene changed comedy forever. Like what national lampoon and SNL was doing was so different than everything that comedy had been before it, except for maybe airplane. Like it was just this like, Groundbreaking thing that every critic hated. They hated every one of those movies. It didn't matter if it was the financially successful uh, Animal House or like the kind of box office disappointment that was Caddyshack. Like they just could not wait for this thing to stop being popular and it to be forgotten. And now it's like you look back and retrospectively there. Those films are all looked at as like this golden age of like a tonal shift in comedy. And that's. Obviously, like you said, it's it's the people who grew up watching it who kept that love yeah. for it yeah, yeah, yeah. that that like are the people who are able to completely change the way it's talked about. So I think that that makes sense. It's the people like us who grew up idolizing this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, despite
0: that, what the critics thought, because kids or uh, people who are into it don't care. Yeah. you know, it's funny. I was just talking about this with someone else. Like, it, you know, it all seems different in hindsight. Like, you look back on these things, and it doesn't seem possible. But now, like. Go read reviews from when the first Led Zeppelin record came out or the first Black Sabbath. Nobody liked it. Nobody because it was it had no context. (laughs) It was a completely new experience. Like nobody had made a record like that before, and it was just people didn't know what to make of it. And uh, now I'm comparing Al to Led Zeppelin, which I'm
2: more than happy to do. Which it's it's why I love uh, Chris. Chris and I make fun of this a lot on One Hit Thunder. But like when magazines like Rolling Stone and Pitchfork will just like change what their review was on an album when it becomes <laughs> oh, yeah, more culturally yeah. significant and <laughs> it's like no Rolling Stone you gave Nevermind a three star review yeah. and you've got to right. just you, stick, you with gotta stick with yeah. <laughs> like, like, well,
1: that what, that's what I think makes Polka Party kind of maybe that is that point for, for Weird Al it's like it's this moment where he's like like you're saying he was just like kind of bambasted for this whole album yeah. but he persevered and he and he kept totally. doing his thing and he knew there was an audience there that appreciated what he did and he followed it up with his best selling record for like a yeah. decade like <laughs> like even worse was
2: like i don't i don't think i actually appreciated how big that album actually was until we started doing this podcast and i looked at the numbers and was like yeah. oh my god this that album blew everything else out of the water after people had already started to throw the dirt on the coffin. Right. yeah for his career yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. and so no,
0: perseverance and
1: can't be underestimated right like,
0: it absolutely no. cannot be and you're right he he knew he believed in himself and what he was doing enough to know that that he had more to do and say and thank god he yeah, did. yeah yeah um and i i do think that this record overall i can i can appreciate why like we said we've talked before like some of the parody choices are just songs that have not stood the test of time so it doesn't feel as vital as some of his other ones where he really nailed the parody choices and now they all still feel so huge so i get why but i do think that overall i think this record is
2: probably underrated it's a, I, I feel bad because I'm going to also agree with you and say it's underrated while simultaneously knowing that next week I will probably put it at the bottom of my Weird Al albums list. That's for now. For now. Because yeah. I do Fair. think that there's worse yeah, that no, no, came no. out it,
0: This it. is not a like, It's. I can appreciate that for him career-wise, it was something of a low point, at least at that moment. And again, I said in a previous episode, Al also on stage at one of those shows said to the audience that this was his worst album. Full stop. Yeah. And, and I don't agree with. I that. I don't think I, I agree can think with that of at either. least
2: three albums worse than. But this I can one. appreciate but... that from
0: Al's perspective, this might have been a very painful. He's still young, and there yeah. was probably some part of him when this came out and flopped that he was like, "Oh God, am I really done? Um, Is this over?"
2: Um, eventually, we will be watching the behind the music special. Yeah, on yeah. this, <laughs> and and I do, th- if I recall correctly, he does talk about like. When this came out and it made no, no impact, no ripple whatsoever, like he really did think, like, all right, maybe it's over. Like he was no. It was this and UHF were like his two biggest career low points because it was like he thought he had finally overcome something, yeah, some big hurdle, and it didn't.
1: I love, I love this project, man. This is is such a great (laughs) idea. I'm really looking forward to see how you guys finalize everything. I
2: got to give a little bit of a shout out to someone who I'm sure will be a future guest. My, my friend, Robert Bacon um, does a bunch of different podcasts, but the first podcast I ever found of his was Adam Sandler, please stop where he did this structure. They watched every single Adam Sandler release in order and just slowly ranked them as a duo to determine what is like his best to worst movie. And I was like, I love that format. Yeah, yeah I love that. It's idea. great
1: because it, it it brings like a lot of fresh energy back to things like this, right? Like Good Enough for Now. I'm sure yeah. like a lot of people are like Oh, this is a song I would never yeah, put on. Like, right.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so But now I might. Like now it's like, oh shit. Like this might this might make its way onto my like weird owl playlist of just if I want to put on Weird Al, I throw
1: on the playlist. Yeah.
2: And this probably isn't on it right now, yeah. but it may make it onto the yeah. list now is something totally. when I'm shuffling totally, it totally like,
1: that's so cool man I'm uh, glad you guys are doing this and I can't wait yeah. to see well, the final in s- product of, of the yeah. ratings yeah. That's it's gonna be a while hopefully. yeah yeah
2: <laughs> 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 alright t- you know what I keep saying that but then I'm like oh my god we're gonna be into the 90s by the summertime that's and, and yeah. that like we're we're past the You're right. point where he does an album every year You're like right. now it's gonna be these giant gaps yeah, in huge releases yeah yeah so, so maybe it'll be done in like three years. Yeah. Who knows? We might only get like 150 episodes right. yeah. of this show, but we keep we we keep finding ways to pad out time. We got those. <laughs> he made a lot of TV appearances that we will continue to dig yeah, through. I, yeah. Someone pointed out that we skipped over, and we'll probably do this before we get to even worse. Uh, We we skipped over when he was a guest on Remote Control on MTV. So I'm like, I don't know. I'll fucking watch the episode of Remote (laughs) Control. Yes, let's do it. (laughs) Like whatever, whatever piece of and uh, listeners, you know our Instagram page. That's the best way to contact us. Yes, if you're like you miss this Big Al TV thing where he was. I don't. We don't need to review every single time he performed on a TV show. But Mm -hmm. if there was a half hour tv special that starred or featured weird al yankovic and we missed it you let us know and we will work it back into the uh into the show somehow yeah but we're talking about rankings let's talk about these rankings let where do you think good enough for now is going on your list i'm gonna put it i'm actually gonna put it higher than
0: i thought i was going to um and it's funny because i reference slime creatures and i'm gonna put it oh, wow. underneath slime creatures
1: wow I'm going to put it and between
0: above don't wear those um, shoes. And, and above Don't Wear Those Shoes.
2: Nice. That's I'm in for. the same ballpark, but a little bit lower. I'm going in between Mr. Frump and the Iron Lung, and I'll be mellow when I'm dead. <laughs>
0: I, I, I think that I will say at this point in Polka Party, we still have to talk about Christmas at Ground Zero, which is a big one. But at this yeah. point, this is second only to Doggy Dog in terms of originals on this record. And possibly just songs in general, like this is great. Like this is a really, again, it's not over the top. It's not super fancy or even like as like, I feel like Doggy Dog is flashy in an impressive way and this is subtle, but the subtlety of this and how well executed it is, is is, it's really, really, really good. They they did an excellent job with this and it's just such a, it's like a smile on my face the entire time I'm listening to this song.
2: For sure. I also just yeah. really, really like "Don't Wear Those Shoes," which was a song I didn't pay attention to until Kelly came on and made us listen to it. Really, <laughs> I'm like, man, that is a chorus that gets stuck in your head too. Like, that's one that I still think about. Yes, it's very catchy. Sean, you're not alone. You get to do some rankings too. Here. Oh, okay. Every single guest, we have ranked their songs, and this is parodies and originals. You get to tell us where you're gonna put good enough for now. And then also, you can move one song wherever you want on the list.
1: I would probably put it. Don't
2: be afraid to put it at the top. Don't be afraid to put it anywhere.
1: I would say I would probably put it right after Yoda. Now
2: here's the other thing you get to do. Okay. Yeah. You can take any song on this list that you think that is way too high, that is way too low, and you can move it wherever you think is appropriate on the list. Very
1: cool. Yeah, I think yeah. When you were when you were reading through it, I kept saying, "Where is living with a hernia?" And it is on the list, so I was glad to see that. <laughs> it's I, low though, yeah. Yeah, I would probably put that right, right above like a surgeon. I, I don't know why, but that song. Wow, I love that it. Song, I love I just that song, "Living with a Hernia," song. is now a top five. Yeah, song. I, I know. It. I think the, I know. It's probably in the new. The best part is pick for most.
2: The but. best part is where Living with a Hernia currently was on the list was where the person who picked it for the show. Played. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> That's like hilarious. It. It's so good.
0: I i love again, it's my favorite thing. We said it is like this weird, like weird owl meets white elephant. Yeah. Just this like hostile takeover of these charts every time. It's so great. I love it. Well
2: before we wrap up, Sean, tell us a little bit about Cowboy Cuts. Yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um yeah, my debut album just came out back in October. And it called it's called. very, very good, everybody. Oh, Please thank check you very it much. out.
0: Yes, love it.
1: Yeah, it was, it was born out of a genesis of collaboration with MC Lars. He was so much fun to collaborate with on Blockchain Planet. And I kept working with him and, and started writing some songs with him and realized I could actually make a whole album out of it. So it was really kind of a, a really cool musical journey to like Kind of embrace- I've always loved music, been engaged with it, but never had it in the forefront of my mind that I could actually be an artist and put something out there. So it was like, it was really cool to like go through that Very whole cool. process with him. He's a great mentor and yeah. And and the album is basically, um, it's, it's kind of, I like to think of it as a three act play. Uh, it's got like the first part of the album is all about like introductions and shared human experiences. Then we get into like the emotions of code rage itself, you know, how <laughs> coders get frustrated and stuff. And then the end of it is kind of some philosophical concepts around time and, and how you create solutions in the world to make a better world and stuff. So it's kind of, it's kind of a really cool album. It's, it's definitely something that's very near and dear to my heart. And I hope listeners will enjoy it and get some, some good entertainment out of it.
2: Well, guys, go check out Cowboy Coder, and we'll be back next week with the final episode of the Polka Party album, which we recorded live during a charity live stream for Big Brothers Big Sisters Mm -hmm. of Coastal and Northern New Jersey with our friend MC Frontalot. So some of you may have seen this one live already, but you know you get to hear the audio version of it there you go (laughs) (laughs)
1: thanks sean yeah thank you guys thanks for having me on this has been great i'm looking forward to the, the final end of the project and see where everything ends up
2: you're listening to the geekscape network